0: This is Shelley Smith, and this is Reads and Weeds, where we read books and we have a book club. And we talk about cannabis, and we have great people on here. And um, we're doing this great book today that I'm so excited that Jeff, uh, you know, opened my eyes to called The Electrician that he collaborated with Andrew Winslow on. And who can't be here because he's where Jeff?
1: He is in Yemen.
0: He's in Yemen,
1: Yeah,
0: and we probably could have Skyped him in, but I just don't know. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> this room, you just never know how this room <laughs> is going to go with Skyping from Yemen, but maybe I, I really want to know him now, you know, now that I've read the book. So um, something I wanted to uh, talk about, because on the way here, I was having a conversation with my friend Chris, who's done a lot of the episodes. She's like, one, we've known each other since the fourth grade. Um, we grew up together. This book had me thinking about her. She's done a lot of the shows and, um, she was saying, man, I just listened back to this episode and I wish I'd been more prepared for it. And I I, I needed to be more focused that day and I'm sorry. And I was like, I don't care. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like this is, we have listeners and I love it. You know, there's this, when when I go look at the stats and there's people in Topeka, Kansas, and there's people in Canada and Alaska. And now Spain there's one in Yemen. And there's one in Yemen. <laughs> and and it's so wonderful to know. And and then we're getting little communities that say, Hey, come do a show at our shop or can you show do this book on your show? And that's wonderful too. And I want all that. But the reason I started doing this is because being an introverted reader can cause you to also be a total hermit and it dawned on me one day that if I could organize constant intentional conversations with my friends that would keep me from being (laughs) just like a bookish like sitting on my couch kind of hermit person and if cannabis could be in there that'd be great too (laughs) you know so it's a very self-serving thing this thing um and I love it that it's a thing that's an introverted thing that we can do to also connect people all over the country or world or whatever and find other people like me. Does, does that make sense? It's totally. like an introvert's way to be an extrovert. That's why I started doing this show because doing it on a podcast means people will do it. Whereas imagine if I was just like, hey, guys, I'm thinking about getting a small collection of people together to have an intentional conversation once every two weeks. <laughs> well, we'd all harder. probably still be there, but, You'd, you know. would still be there, but, but, yeah. but you know what it's like yes. to try to get a little group of people together and for them not to be drunk or not to be in a loud place or right. for somebody to not be, like, bitching about their boyfriend or whatever. You're just like, no, no, no. I want to have really good conversations. Not screaming or... Do you know what I mean? Or So, A, that's why we do this. Um, B, um, I'm really grateful for all the people that are listening. And I sometimes forget to say this, so I'm trying to remind myself. Um, if you're listening, then uh, let us know. Let us know where you live and how you found out about it and or who told you about it. Or if you listen because you listen to Cannabis podcasts. what we would really love is tell us what state you're from because we want you to call in. And tell us about the state of affairs in your state, what's going on. We got to do that with this guy from Alaska on the last show, and that was really fun. And and it's just so interesting, because there's so much news all the time. Colin is here. Hey, everyone. Hi. Colin's running the board, and we were on Jazz Cabbage last night. And Howard Woolridge, who is in the first line, the first page of the book, Smoke Signals, that we did on the show... And he is the former cop who rode a horse all the way across the country. Was that it?
2: Yeah, that like said legalize marijuana or what did it say?
0: Yeah, well he I was like, so cops, was cops, like for c- cops for m- cops for cops for marijuana legalization. Yeah. Anyway, he called in to Jazz Cabbage last night. Hmm. So this guy that we talked about in Spoke Signals called into Jazz Cabbage last night and gave us kind of the DC. You know,
2: rundown, rundown. of uh, like Nice. the Moore Act and the States Act the is states what he's Act. really pushing. Hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was fascinating. So it's just really neat um, kind of things that are happening. So if you're listening and you're in a state that's either you're the only one that you know and that's why you're listening or you've got a little movement going but you wish there was more people, we want to know that. Or if you think your state's doing it really well I would really like to know that. So, um, so like us and share us and follow us, and and then contact me on Instagram or however you find us, and uh, and tell me tell me what's up. So there's that part. <laughs> Check. Um, so new brand new person on the show. Yay! Hi. My friend Colleen Kennedy's here. Hi everybody. And uh, she actually works at a hemp farm, pot farms, and uh, has. We met. Actually, through yoga, I think. We did, the very first. We met through a yoga cleanse that you were leading, and it was awesome. And so she's been my yoga teacher and my party buddy and my networking buddy and my Yeah. Yeah. Al- also,
2: I met you through Colleen actually too. Really? Oh, I nice. think I told don't you. Don't tell about that it. story. <laughs> really? <laughs> he told
0: that story. I'm like, oh, do you remember exactly when we met? He's like, Yeah, you were really drunk and high with Colleen. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. I'm like, oh Shocking. no, no. <laughs> I don't want that to be the impression. But it was because we made a mistake, remember? We went to that. Sort of boring fish meeting. Bones. Oh. Thought, <laughs> okay. <laughs> now thought, I want to know the story. No, no. We just we thought we ate <laughs> <had> a tiny milligram medible, but we ate a big one. Okay. And then we were in like a a really like not super well paced. I'm gonna say not super well paced. I'm gonna say like poorly done yeah. <laughs> networking yeah. event. Yeah. And yeah we just,
2: there was like eight of us. Yeah. Nine. It was <laughs> it was
0: rough. And <laughs> the speaker <laughs>
3: was over two hours. I think.
0: Yeah, and it was just...
1: And you guys were, the medible was kicking in, and right. the, sh- yeah. the speaker's droning we on.
0: Crashing and, 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 oh and, and and trying to... <laughs> if we'd been up and mingling, it would have been fine. Right. But so <laughs> tell, right. tell us a little bit about Pot Farms. Right, okay, so Pot Farms uh,
3: started out just as a cannabis company in general. Robin Potts, the founder, and, and she's been working on getting the company up and going since about 2015, and it's pre-qualified in the state of Michigan for a marijuana license. But with the way things are so volatile and kind mm-hmm. of unknown right now, um, that's sort of on the back burner. And last year when the farm bill passed, Robin was like, oh, we're going to do hemp. We're doing it. And within mm-hmm. a matter of literally three weeks, she had a field mm-hmm. planted. Yeah, um, We had a very successful harvest, small harvest, first harvest. Um, and we just yeah. finished processing it. All of it, the entire harvest, into oil. Wow. Will be available for purchase soon. Yeah. Very soon. We got great test results. Um, Scilab, thank you. Yay. Um, Shout out.
4: Yeah, shout
3: out. And so things are going well there. We've got a lot of things uh, in the pipeline. One other cool thing about pot farms is... It was based on a social equity idea to begin with.
0: Yes, yes, I remember when I first met her. Robin had that idea before she decided
3: to have a cannabis company, Mm -hmm. and that's her background, her her law background. And um, so we're working on training and employment programs specifically going to hire folks that have barriers to employment. So right in our internal structure of the company, we're going to have this social equity component. Um, I love that vision. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we're hoping love to it. kind of help other people implement mm-hmm. their own uh, work programs mm-hmm. similar to that. Ooh, it's I want to do a vision session
0: with you guys. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Let's do, Let's it. do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I
3: love I it. I did my very first vision board a year ago. Little over a year ago, and everything except winning the lottery came. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> it. <laughs> 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 nice. So I figure
0: maybe the next round, sweet, the next sweet. round will include that, com- that yeah. part of it. But you know what? I just realized the greatest thing in the world, the smartest thing in the world, is that you and Robin um, both have law backgrounds. We are both and lawyers. And so many cannabis businesses—that's where they're just,
3: yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, rough it's, if you don't know anything about the exactly. law exactly because you know yeah. robin robin did all the licensing paperwork mm-hmm. and and just knowing the regulations Save so much money you don't have to call
0: someone every time mm-hmm. right oh so. yeah it's a wonderful combination and then jeff muir's back Woo-hoo. hey yeah so jeff was here when we did um uh, Kyle C's. the illusion of money and uh, i've been having
1: continuing like revelations really? from that. yeah oh give me so, give
0: me one nugget
1: well uh, you know when I was on the show we were talking about that book and I said like to me when I think of money I think of like stress and right. I'm like I oh, hate yes, money yes. and you know it's been a struggle the last few months just as things can be you know mm-hmm, I'm an independent mm-hmm. you know marketing yeah yep. person and like it's hit or miss and no but like last week um finished a job got mm-hmm. paid and i remember colleen sent me the thing like oh your check's here and i'm like oh i love money that's the thought that came in my head and yeah. i immediately thought of you in that book and i'm like oh that's a big shift yeah like oh, not that i, I love money but it. yeah like i don't have to hate it anymore
3: yeah you know? well and it's that attraction thing right yes. Yeah. So oh,
0: yes but you i gotta let you borrow it we, I, we just gotta get that done. yeah i should have brought it tonight shoot um Jeff also, Jeff and Colin, are involved with the um, Michigan Psychedelic Society and decriminalized Nature Ann Arbor was an offshoot of that, a movement to write a resolution to legalize psilocybin within the city of Ann Arbor. And so very organized group, very positive group that I've been to a few meetings with. I did a vision session with them a couple yeah. of years ago, and they're kind of crushing it. Um, and on Tuesday, I think it was, we had we went to the Ann Arbor City Council meeting, which was packed. Yes. And there was all kinds of issues. But what I was impressed with, so there was issues about a police chief that was um, put on administrative leave. I have no idea what that was about. I'm sure that I'll get comments about <laughs> it. It was. <laughs> but the thing is, is, yeah, anyway, when we got up to talk, what I realized was like, this is the easiest thing to implement. Like, I think it's... Yeah, let's not prosecute those people. Exactly. Okay, next, yeah. like Simple. you know, and so, but our two speakers that got to speak did a really good job. One of them got a laugh, That's and cool. uh, which one? He said that on- if he said if you Google um, "mushroom cartel," all you see is this thing about like illegal portobellos being imported <laughs> yeah. for some restaurants. That he, nice. and, and they laughed. Remember that? Did you well, I had him?
1: left a little bit early because oh, okay. I had had a long day. I got there. I yes, showed up yes, at yes. home and, you know, walked over and stood there for a long time. And the room was so hot. And
0: okay. So mm-hmm.
1: I, I, I didn't stay till the end. But right. I you think know, it and it was, was a little. It was really positive. Was it yeah, Derek it was super
0: positive.
2: Said something yeah. like that, Derek Odom. Derek
0: Odom? Yes, I think it was him. Okay. And then um when the when the council members were talking afterwards, who's the guy that's cool with us? Jeff with Hayner? Jeff Hayner. Yep. He was like, um, I mean this makes sense, right? You guys? I mean this <laughs> seems like an easy win. You know he was his, his his and there was a woman kind of in front of me and Julie kind of shaking her head and looking wide eyed and nervous and Julie was like, wow, she's so not for us. And she's running for some office. And I said, well, let's just go meet her and say hi. Right, right, right. Because she's really into water cleanup, and she's a professor, and she seems like she's probably into nature, and that doesn't seem like a big leap. And So we went out in the hall and got one of her flyers and said, hey, let's meet up, or we want you to come to our meeting. And it was was cool. It felt very, very good. And then last night went to – we left Jazz Cabbage last night. Went to the Ipsy City Council meeting, where what it seems like is happening is, um, I mean, there was probably like six r- six people got up and spoke. The owner of the Elevation Station, the lawyer for the Depot Town Care Center, an owner of the Depot Con- Town Care Center, Daryl Stavros, who's been waiting to reopen Third Third Coast Compassion mm-hmm. for months, you know, because he made one construction change and. And then there was all these people who were like, the way the laws are written now, this isn't going to work. Y- you know, like, you can't keep putting barriers in the way of every single thing and making us do everything twice to suit your needs. And there's a barrier to entry for new businesses. And there's a barrier to entry for the buildings inspection. And so it was interesting because I didn't know that much about the situation in Ipsy. So look forward to seeing what happens with that. Any... Um, Annie Somerville. Annie Somerville. She is awesome. Yeah, she is. She's fantastic. And she felt bad because she invited a bunch of people to come and told us to show support. And we showed. And they had done like a closed hearing to keep the rules the same before. You know what I mean? Right. They did it. And then we got there. And she's like, well, you can speak during public comments because they changed the way they did it. And she was like, I'm sorry. But here's what I know from those two events. Is if you are listening to this and you've never been in the sexy, fast-paced world of (laughs) small town city (laughs) City council, yeah, this is where things get done. And you know, standing in a crowd screaming or putting a bumper sticker on your car, or
1: posting on Facebook, or posting on Facebook is not how things get
0: done. No, showing up to these meetings or running for something is the most like. Julie and I were in that Ann Arbor Council meeting. Like, Jeff lasted however long. Julie was there for five minutes. It's like, do you want to step out for a minute? You know, like, (laughs) it is not sexy and high-paced and fun. (laughs) But here's what's happening. Laws and shit are getting made. And if you're not showing up.
1: And they, they, Mm quote-unquote, make it difficult. That was my impression in that meeting. I'm like... We've all worked all day long. We're all tired, yes. and there was the issue with the the police chief. And yes, there was yes. a, a Baptist church came in, and yes, they're all yes. elderly people. The room's frickin' ninety eight degrees, <laughs> right. and it was. Pa- and I am <laughs> yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. this is the, they telling us like you are not welcome here. You know,
0: I think it's just in place. And and the 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 other thing, like one of the things we talked about that I think decriminalized nature is doing such a good job of is everybody that came out. None of them were bitching. They were all like, Good job, guys. Thanks for showing up. We did a great job. Let's do it again next time. You know, it's like they're excited to get something done. Right. And you have to be excited. You have to have the excitement to get something done and then the patience and sort of tenacity to work with a system that's bureaucratic and archaic and. That is the way it is happening right now. And if you want it to be different, you have to work in the system that we're in right now. Yep, and
1: it takes time.
0: And it takes Patience. time. And it's this plotting, yep. kind of getting to know your enemy and trying to find common ground and trying to find a way to speak. And then, newsflash, you also have to know how to use a microphone. <laughs> <Hell> right. <yes. laughs> and speak succinctly. And those are the things. So if you, you if you're in one of these areas of the country where you just know that you're going to have to be the one um, you got to start getting to know these local government people your municipality leaders or you got to run for something and you got to get your friends to run for something and you've got to keep showing up and uh, and it's going to be kind of tedious and boring and you're going to have to say like approval, yay, nay. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to do all guess who that do- that shit. the people who do that stuff gotta really well. you to call motions
2: and shit. you,
1: you got to
0: call motions and shit. The business
1: interests, they're there paid to do that. And so they show up every week, yeah. you know. And so, like, the regular citizens have to, you know, it's not as easy for us. Yeah. Because yeah. the other side that's trying to just get stuff done right. in their favor, you know, like, they've got unlimited resources to have people show up. Yeah. So it's harder for just, you know, the regular person.
0: Yeah. But the thing is, is the regular people, when you go to these and you see the the regular people. Thanks, Colin. Colin's like, remember how this is a book club? <laughs> he points to the book. I know. Uh, there was a lot to talk about up front. but um, And I'm so excited about the book. So let's just blah. Um, So the book, The Electrician, uh, Jeff and I are friends. He worked with me on a calendar that I do every year. And... He's dating Colleen, and we've all had fun together. <coughs> and he's like, I wrote a book. Do you want to do that one? And it was a few months ago, and we already had a bunch lined up. So we're just now getting to it. And when I first started reading it, um, I was really busy and only got to, like, the first 10 pages. And was like, oh, this is long. Am I going to be able to get into it? And then I started reading it, and oh, my God. So, uh, Jeff, give us, like, the overview of the book.
4: All right. Because yeah, well he's
0: the co-collaborator. And yeah. then f- start off and tell us overview of the book, and then tell us how you met Andrew and collaborated with him on it. Yeah,
1: I'll tell you how it okay. happened. So the book, it's, it's the electrician, and the subtitle is From Alter Boy to Addict, Growing Up Irish Catholic in 1970s Blue Collar Boston. And if anyone out there has read or seen the movie The Cloud Atlas, any of you? No, no, all right well, it's amazing, and there's a it's it kind of touches on publishing and there's a little subplot of a guy who wrote a book and anyway, he calls it a um bloated auto bio novel mm-hmm. um you know derisively, but that's i've always thought from the beginning that's what this is it's a mm-hmm. bloated auto bio novel. I think of it as a novel um because it's just a story. the fact that it's based on you know some person's actual life um doesn't mean anything to me. Um, but it's basically, it's just a slice of life from, you know, someone who grew up in the sixties, seventies and eighties and has struggled with mental illness and struggled with, um, addiction and struggled with generational conflicts, um, struggled with just becoming a, a functioning adult, which is something, let's face it, all of us do. We all do that, you know? So it's a kind of a universal theme, mm-hmm. um, and the title, The Electrician, it's not really about being an electrician. It's just that's what was the 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 theme of this person's life. His father was an electrician. His grandfather was an electrician. Mm-hmm. He ended up finding himself and kind of crossing all these bridges in his life through finally, he didn't want to be what his dad was and he mm-hmm. didn't want to be what his grandpa was, right? Mm-hmm. He wanted to be all these other things. And in his case, he found that um you know following that path was actually something that was going to be good and healthy for him Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know the story i brought a couple little props here the the story of the book is props
0: are great for radio
1: well they are (laughs) well we're gonna get pictures but i figure for you guys you know so so i met andrew winslow he's been my creative partner for over 20 years and um First of all, I'm going to apologize to everyone in advance for anything I might say that's, like, offensive or, you know, comes across weird because it's just the nature of what this topic is. But, um, so, you know, I graduated from the University of Michigan in 1992, um, worked in Washington, D.C. for a couple years. I migrated out to Portland, Oregon, um, you know, this wave of what we then were like Gen X. We were the slackers, you know. We were like the people that didn't want to work office jobs, didn't want to sit in cubes, you know, and ended up out there. So anyway, I just found this tribe of people, this group of people from Buffalo, from Chicago, from Boston, from Cleveland. We were all these like rust belt kids in our early 20s. Um, We all had Bachelor's degrees in social sciences or you know liberal arts, and Mm -hmm. we were all working like minimum wage jobs at coffee shops and Mm -hmm. books. And then here's Andy driving a Cadillac, and he's an electrician, right? So it was this like, oh Uh. my god, like we're all these idiots who have these student loans to pay, and you know have these degrees, and we can't make any money. And here's this guy who did this other path. So I met Andy, you know then. Um, actually, the first time I met him, I had been trying to date this woman, my future ex-wife, mm-hmm. um, and I finally got a date with her, and I was the worst hangover of my life. It was a million degrees out, and we were, like, mad at this juice bar in, like, Hipster Portland, and mm-hmm. I'm just dying. But it was the first time she's like, okay, fine. I'll like. So we're sitting there, and then Andy walks up with Steve, who's in the book blumpkin Mm -hmm. Um, that's the first time i met so this is this memory like etched in my brain was this like you know we and we were all in alcoholics anonymous we were all you know in recovery which is the theme of the book and we've all gone different paths it's been 30 years pretty close to since then um so eventually andy and i you know he he so here's construction Jack. So
4: he yes. came up with
1: this. His mission in life is to promote the working trades, right? So he's an electrician, and he came up with this idea for let's have an action figure that promotes yeah. working. You know, not just like you not know, GI Joe, yeah. not
0: Superman, correct? Right. Not right.
1: fancy stuff, not mm-hmm. magical powers, but real working people. So he, I worked at an advertising agency at that time he brought it into me and i was like all right i'll do a plan for you but i don't see where this is going fast forward a year he comes back he had you know nailed a half a million dollars in venture capital to build this thing so he got this made and there's four of them and we did a book and we had a whole line you know there's a oh there's gosh, a carpenter the there's a painter there's a plumber there's an electrician um and so we sold 30,000 of these things and then the economy crashed, and then we couldn't get a second round of venture capital for it, so it just it died on the vine, right?
4: Oh wow!
1: So time goes by. I go through what I go through. I'm like, you know, I'm up and down all the time. And I, I, I'm actually in a hospital at the time, and I get an email from Andy, and he's like, "I want to bring the book. I want to bring the, the the action figure back." And I say, there's "Just there's no way, you know, it's over and done. Make your peace with it." And then he starts saying, "Well, I wrote this book. I think I can." make money off this book, and fund the action figure. And I put him off for a year or so. And then finally, I just couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, fine, send it to me. So what I get by email is 800 pages of...
0: it to you on an email?
1: Yeah, 800 pages. And he obviously did it on a text-to-voice kind of thing, you know, like Oh, my dictated. gosh. 800 pages, stream of consciousness, no punctuation, no... And I was like, dude... <laughs>
3: And wasn't it all caps, too? All, Did you, oh, oh my caps. gosh. And
1: I'm like, dude, no. So I told him no for another year. Oh, my gosh. And then he gosh. just kept, He's this is the nature of this guy. Like, yeah. he doesn't give up. He kept at it. Kept, and finally, I'm like, all right, I'll read the first 50 pages, and I'll tell you what I think. And I've also worked in publishing a little bit. So I had a sense of, like, is there anything there? <laughs> but knowing Andy and having gone through this toy thing with him, which was a few years of, like, out on the road, hustling, you uh-huh. know, trade shows, you know. We spent a lot of time together. So anyway, I know the guy. So I read the first fifty pages. But I'm probably the only person in the world who could have read it and like understood it. Because it's like reading another language. You know, he's speaking in this vernacular yeah. of this Irish Catholic. And yeah, so yeah. anyway, I read I, I got through twenty pages of it and I'm like, actually, this is pretty funny. And I understand you. Yeah. So I told him I'd do it. So anyway this is a 600 page book. It's a long book.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I cut out 200 pages
0: <laughs> Holy cow. and
1: rewrote it like character by character, line by line. But I felt it was really valuable because I think it, it speaks to a lot of things that are important today. You know, work ethic, um, generational issues, addiction, mental illness. These oh, are yeah. things that are just out there that, um, you know, not saying that this is an answer to anything, but it's the more people who can see that other people have struggled Mm -hmm. and that other people Mm -hmm. have had to work through, I think, I see so many young people today, and they feel like they're the only ones suffering, you know? Oh, yeah. Because of the nature of social media and everything. Like, Mm -hmm. back in the day, you actually had to encounter people. And today, we can all be in this tunnel. Um, And so, you know, not that a lot of young people are going to read it, but...
0: Well, but, but you never know, because... Here's what I think is interesting: is, you, you, it's even though we're all wildly, intimately connected on social media, and you can fi- you can Google, people who struggle with this thing who are, Asian and live in Texas, and, <laughs> and there's right. going to be a group for it, and then you can talk to those people. It's still isolating. <laughs> people still feel like they're only, person going through things, you know. So, what I think is interesting about this book is that, this guy. This very endearing, you know, character is barreling along growing up, and you're walking through his whole little life. Mm-hmm. And you're pulling for him. You're pulling for him because he's a curious kid, and he wants to be an oceanographer, and he's <laughs> right. delivering the newspaper, <laughs> and he's playing with his friends. And I'm like, I know those guys. I know them. I know all the alcoholic dads. yep, I know that neighborhood. I know just... Building a stupid ass ramp, and you right. know somebody's just yeah. Let's put this broken door. Let's do some on shit that's going to get us injured. <laughs> yeah. and fucking ride our bikes over right. it yeah. until someone breaks something, which of course happens in this book. And it was so sweet because I, I think it's really hard, and I commend you and him. And we talked about this on our last show, I think too. Authors that can write the same perception of like to keep a point of view going from first grade or kindergarten through being an addict and everything but you still know that's his voice Mm -hmm. that's him realizing that he's sitting next to that statue in the cold Mm -hmm. and that's him being a lifeguard who wants to date that girl but he's drunk you know and that's still his voice growing up i think that's really hard to do and it's so well done in this book like it's a little kid point of view that's
1: what i loved about it was really like what caught me at the beginning was the just the intro where he's like the intro of like they're shoveling and his dad's looking out from the window and Mm -hmm. is telling his brother he's not doing a good enough job and you don't have any context at this point right And then, you know, his dad like barrels out and tackles his brother and he's like, finish shoveling, you know. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, Andy's like, you know, three hours later, I finished shoveling with my four inch long plastic kid's shovel and I was five years old.
0: Yeah. You know, and I'm like
1: that just to me painted the picture of, oh, my God, what an environment to grow up in, you know.
0: Well, it is just normal. That's the thing. And it
1: was normal. It's, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that really struck me was, so I didn't meet Andy until we were in our 20s. Uh-huh. I grew up in southeast Michigan, Mormon, Scottish. Andy grew up in Massachusetts, you know, Irish, Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the same life. Oh, yeah. It was sure. the same shit.
0: I grew up in South Carolina, Southern Baptist. And, you know similar life yeah that's what i thought (laughs) i thought
1: like people all over the country who grew up in that era probably experienced a lot of this stuff and can relate to it and you know we're now all a little older looking back um Mm -hmm. trying to reconcile our lives um you know so that's what really pulled me in and and made me want to be a part of it you know
0: did you finish it colleen i did not i have not finished it Uh, where did you get to um, How old is he he's now? Still he's, he's still a
3: kid. He's still a kid. Okay, okay. He's had his first few drinks. Oh, okay, okay. Um, he's drinking on the paper route. Okay, yeah. So I think 12, maybe 7th yeah. grade? Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. and
1: speaking of which, I did bring a, a character from did the book. Did you bring
3: brown, beer,
0: brown with bread with a, in a can? No, I didn't bring brown bread in a can, but that was a
1: good one. <laughs> but I did bring this for all oh of us, you know. Oh, no. So we can all, you know, do a hullaboom. Oh
0: my God! From oh, the book, I don't know. Well, don't you know? You don't have to. <laughs> no peer pressure, okay? Of course. okay no peer pressure, but I, yeah, that seems really hard for me. But you know, <laughs> so so, let me explain what we're. Um, can, can I talk about what I want to? What I want your opinions on? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So one thing is loss of innocence. It's so well done in this book. Basically, this book is one little boy, Andrew Winslow, he's growing up, he's he's getting a paper out, he's got older brothers, his dad is a it's blue collar neighborhood, it's blue collar family, post Vietnam War, and he's just with his buddies playing hockey, um, beating each other up. <laughs> Being dumbasses, trying to like school, being fidgety, learning how to deal with life, with very little adult <laughs> supervision, really. And he's a good Catholic boy, and and it's watching him grow up. Um, you go first because I'm around right my mouth. Um, and what is the sweetest, saddest thing about this book is you're watching him, you're watching him kind of lose his innocence, hardcore. And I want to stop it. I am this person who's had a lot of addicts in my life, and I'm like, oh, man, I want to stop this from happening. And you're watching him. I'm going to go back to school and be really in shape now, and I'm going to get back into swimming, and I'm going to be an oceanographer still, and I'm going to – people respect me now, and I'm only going to drink on Fridays now. And you're – it's – I've known every – every person in this book and it was like oh god i want to stop it and you're turning the page going like oh no it's gonna go darker yeah and, and the darker and darker the
1: thing about andy which is the same with me like clearly like andy and i as kids you know we had i don't know what they would diagnose us as these days but we had learning difficulties we had adhd yeah. call it what you want we could not sit in a chair for eight hours we just it wasn't going to work with us.
0: To, does anybody like to sit in a chair? I don't like to sit in a chair for eight hours today. I don't know, but right. those other
1: 28 kids in the class, right. th- year after year, did yeah. way better than I did. I was getting kicked out every day because I just couldn't. You couldn't. So there was a different level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, level. you know, Aunt, poor Andy, and, 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 and then. Back in the late 70s, there was no recognition of it. There just wasn't. You were a bad kid or you were a good kid. And once you got labeled a bad kid, all the teachers knew and you were immediately like segregated. Yeah. And so the only way um, people like us, as coming into adolescence, could handle that was with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. You know? And there's a whole nother discussion about addiction, but there's also a whole nother discussion in here about self medicating. And so we had to go out and find ways. And so let's talk about cannabis, you know. Like, we started smoking cannabis at 12. We found that. Because otherwise, what were we going to do? That was the only way we could literally get through the day. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, of course, Mm -hmm. years later, we might have had to bottom out on this substance or that substance. But, you know, it was cannabis that, like, got us through adolescence to at least live long enough to get the clinical help that we might have needed you know
4: yeah
1: but yeah that just it just hit me right in the heart you know i i mean that's exactly what i experienced and i know so many people who've experienced the same thing it's brutal
0: well and here's the other thing that was brutal to read um so he's a little boy and he's um Wait, do I want to read that part? Oh, I put little boy thoughts just because I love in this book that the way he hears things that parents say and what he makes out of them. Oh, yeah. Totally. He's he's like... Okay, so we're Catholics, which means that we're Irish, and we do this thing on Sunday. And the God that we worship's name is Jesus H. Christ. Because that's what everybody <laughs> says. Jesus H. Christ, and they get the lead out, and the um, the hooligans. Your goose is cooked, and malarkey. your ass is in a sling. Your ass I is in a loved sling. He's that. like, "Oh, okay, I understand. This is what that means." And he makes up his little boy story in his head of what that means. So and knowing
1: Andy as I do, yeah, that's real. Like he like literally as a little kid. Yeah. He's trying to make sense of this adult world in his own mind and he's doing it, you know, just to survive. Yeah. But like adults had no con they thought they're just like saying clever shit.
0: Right. Or there's it's just what you grew up with. Right. Like I, I realize I say things and they're probably I'll say like, well, that's a whole other ball of wax. And then I'll just be like, when the fuck did I start saying whole ball of wax? What ball of wax am I referring right. to? And so me and my friend Elizabeth used to say, that's a whole other ball of horse. Because one time she was stoned and trying to say horse of a different color and ball of wax. And she said ball of horse. And I'm like, both mean the same thing. Because what the fuck are we even talking about? Right. right. You know? What's
2: the, where's the wax?
0: And and when you... And, or where's the horse? That's right. a horse of different colors. Right. Like, well, how many horse colors are there, really? <laughs> you no, know? but this
1: kid, like, took yeah. that stuff literally oh, and, like, adorable. ran with it, you know? And I... That is really what, like, grabbed yeah. me with this. That oh, made yeah. me want to be, you know, make it Oh, readable. yeah.
0: I loved it. I loved it. And I loved, um... You know, it, his little mind just works it out. Like, here's what must happen. Is like... Uh, maybe at a certain age you're assigned a goose, <laughs> and then <laughs> if you do something wrong, it has to be cooked. The mayor comes out and takes your goose, he cooks it. He's this little boy mine, like figuring it out. <laughs> it's so great, and he does that so many times, like, Oh, okay, get the lead out. So he calls his brother Lead, <laughs> that's his name, right? Um, so, uh, one of the other super sweet things is, um, okay. Sweet by meaning, like, my heart was just like, Oh, I'm pulling for this kid. I know this kid. I was this kid, grew up with this kid, and it's hurting me to see him this loss of innocence. So, the first time he's in Cashew's basement, Cashew's a friend. And everybody that grew up in the 70s and 80s with a post-war, <laughs> you know what I mean, had, we had a half oak barrel bar <laughs> in our living room, in our living room, next to like a big hide recliner totally. and a wagon wheel table. And <laughs> in this, in this half barrel <laughs> bar was like some letters of the Funkin' at Wagnall's Encyclopedia that you get at the grocery mm. store. <laughs> Do you remember those? Yes. You like would get stamps. From the grocery store and put them in a book, and you could turn it in. So we had like J and R and S, and you know they were in the bar. But also there was just other liquor and shit in the bar. And our house was that house that people that kids hung out in and drank in, right? And so were a lot of other houses. But the thing is, is the first time he sees Cashew's dad, um, him and his friend, who he calls Cashew, and I can't remember why. His last name is Cash. And
1: by the way, the intro song to this by the oh. awesome band Wounded Animal, their their debut I CD Break a Tooth. That's love Cashew's. That's Cashew's band what? singing that song. Shut. So shout out to Richie <laughs> Cash. <laughs> 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 Isn't that a great song? Yeah, oh up. my gosh, I yes. love it. So that's Do you Cashew's. love
0: it more now? <laughs> I love it more <laughs> I now. Love yeah. that song. Well the playlist, because usually <laughs> I'm the one putting together the playlist unless like the last book we had had a playlist in it. Um one book had a soundtrack already, but you making that playlist after right after I finish this book and be listening to it today? Oh shit! It fits. Great well, playlist. So playlists. the weird thing
1: is, I kn- all these people in this book mm-hmm. I know in real life from oh, later do? on in life. Like I know oh Richie, I know Cashews, I know Cohen, I know why Blumkin. was China
0: called China? Well,
1: because all right. So his uncle, um, they were having a birthday party, yeah. and and the kid who became known as China gave Andy a card. That his last name was like you know uh Jenkins or something, and mm-hmm. he
3: he the drunk uh, uncle dubbed it
1: the drunk uncle was oh. like, "Oh, he must be a Chinaman, his last name's like Chinking, you oh. know, and he wasn't he was Irish, you know, but oh, they just so funny. they called him China for his whole life, yeah, but, yeah, so cashews, you know yeah. uh, yeah, anyway, I just want to say like, and I that's love his that
0: song. I love that kind of like you're you, you know what I mean? You, you're you're living in a small town, and at some point, fourth grade, sixth grade, whatever, your your name becomes Rumble. Right. Totally. Or. or totally. Or, you never live it down. Or Turkey. Right. <laughs> or Lee Boy, or whatever, and that's it. That's Do you want to know what are... mine was? What was <laughs> yours? Please. Oh, my God, Colleen. It was Froggy with a PH. <laughs> <Really>? oh, <God. laughs>
1: oh, hell yeah. Yeah, we all got those. Well, mine you, was Manure. Yours is
4: manure? Jeff
1: manure, because it was muir, and the only thing that rhymed with muir was manure. <laughs> so, yeah, that was mine, manure. I was
0: smelly. I <laughs> mean, was oh, just right, so of course. You know right? what I mean? Shelly is Shelly Belly. It's, it's smelly. Brutal. It's brutal. If you're listening and you used to call me smelly, thank you. Well, one of the things
1: I wanted to talk <laughs> you. about, you know, tonight, which I think, and Andy, I don't think would even have the same thought, right? Mm-hmm. His idea with this book is, like, bringing people to Jesus
0: Of course, yeah. And
1: bringing people to recovery. And it will. And attracting people to the working trades. Yes. Um, But mine was something completely different, you know, um, which I can't remember now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It'll come back to you. Uh -uh. It will come back to me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, so something else I love about this. Okay, so let's talk about more loss of innocence. So he's hanging out with Cashew. He's going up and down the stairs. All of us have done this. The parents are home, but they're like, let's just put the kids in another room and let them do whatever the fuck they want. Right? They're playing video games. They're dancing around. They're being kids. They're just doing whatever. And the parents are like, go be gross boys over there.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And but dad is drinking and he's getting happier and livelier and that's your first impression. And then you go to ex- uh, you know your birthday party at your grandmother's house and then they are drinking and they're happier and they're more fun after they're drinking. And then your grandpa before he drives home usually they haul him out to the car cuz he cannot walk. Mm-hmm. And then he throws up, and they go, okay, he's good to drive now. And so you grow up with a certain picture of what drinking is. Right. And nobody sits down and says, hey, just so you know, but his dad is dry. Right. See, his dad had
1: quit drinking.
0: His dad is on the wagon. But think about that when you're a kid. You're on a wagon. Right. What was Andy's interpretation <laughs> of the wagon? I that Because
3: that was another one of those little kid-isms. Yeah. With, people, yeah. with, with adults saying they're on or off the wagon. He right. had some little thing.
1: Right. I don't remember. I can't remember it exactly. But something but... I said to Colleen the other day was the whole thing with the grandpa.
3: Yeah. So back
1: then, so the grandpa was the, like the patriarch. Of course. So even though he was like hammered and fucking vomiting... In the driveway. No one was going to tell him he couldn't drive home. He could do whatever
0: the fuck he wanted. He was in the war. Yeah. He's the patriarch. He survived And so for, yeah. You drink if you want to. And for
1: Andy, so he was having all these, um, and he, I say he and we, you know,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, all these emotional issues like trying to grow up. But the only thing he saw ever give anyone any release, comfort, was alcohol. Yep. And then he had to go through that whole cycle of, okay, it's a hit or miss. You know, it does.
0: Yes. Yep. It helps
1: you on this end. And on this other end, it's going to fucking yes. crush you oh,
0: in yes. dust, you know. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. And so what is the age where he takes his first drink? Remind me of that circle. Is I it think it's like 11 or 12. It's 11 or 12. Okay. It was
1: the summer between 6th and 7th grade, which, mm-hmm. ironically or not, was just like the same thing that happened with me. Between 6th and 7th grade, elementary school ended after 6th grade. And that was like, you're little kids, me everything's too. innocent. 7th grade, girls have boobs, you know.
0: Did you have older siblings?
1: People are dressing fancy. Not me. No. I did. I had an older sister.
0: I had two older brothers. Then all so of a doomed. sudden, it's all this pressure, you know.
1: <laughs> and it was just a whole different ball of wax, you know. Well, There's the ball of wax. There's
0: the ball of wax. The whole other... <laughs> Uh, what's another thing we can throw in there? <laughs> that's a horse of a different wax, right yeah. there. That's, <laughs> that's a whole horse of a different wax. So I'm thinking about growing up, and um, I think I've talked about this before on here, and I don't think it's that disrespectful, but because my dad was 26 years sober when he died last May, he mm. was 26 years sober, which is very impressive. Totally. It's amazing. It is. right? But that means that I grew up with him right, as an alcoholic. Right, not sober. Right? right? So what I didn't understand until much, much later, and I'm still probably learning it, is that um, there's a difference. Because I'm sure if you grew up with an alcoholic, you're always going, am I an alcoholic? Mm. Um, or at least I was. You know? Right. Because like, they say me? that, like, of course... Is this this in me? Right. It's in that person. It's in that person. Am I just a person who's partying sometimes? Am I... Ca- I'm still making good grades. Am I good? Oh, I never drink before noon. Actually, if it's the steeplechase, I for sure do. <laughs> Early. Right. What is it? St. Patrick's Day? Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. home football game? Absolutely. <laughs> what if it's just Sunday? And <laughs> we're just not doing much. You know? And so... There was this era of my life where I was constantly going, is this me? Am I an alcoholic? You know? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And whenever I read some sort of memoir like this, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, no. I was never close. Like the amount and the repercussions and the all of that, I never got that close to. Right. But the fear was there. That right. feeling—that's why it hit me so hard. Is he's going? It's okay. It's just a phase. I'm gonna. Um, I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm glad those pain pills are gone. Right. I'm glad, Okay. Right. I- I'm done. See, now. he never yeah. had any
1: awareness of this. You know. Of course not. But like, you I don't. totally relate to what you just said because my mother's father died at the age of 37 of cirrhosis. Oh, so man. I grew up with this wow. like, you know, your grandfather died of alcoholism. My, my mom found him like dead in the living room kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, that's just the the like outside pressure that comes in on you from your family history, you know, mm-hmm. which is a, a, mm-hmm. a part of this book, you know. Um, oh yeah. Well the and the
0: and the environment that he's in is post-Vietnam. So so this era, like I don't think kids Today they can't. have like an angry Vietnam vet as a teacher, but everybody right. that grew up I in did. the seven, I did you? I,
2: had a th- <laughs> I still see him too.
0: Do you really? <laughs> yeah,
2: I saw him like two months ago. Is he still angry? Because he was like my friend's like uncle. Okay,
4: and he was well, my why? history
1: You'd be teacher? angry, you know. That's the of thing. Yeah. And that was you know another yeah. element of this that I wanted to talk about was the whole generational, the thing generational thing. it's like you know. The younger people today, they're trying, they're doing some really important work, and they're moving things forward. And oh, you know, yeah. but then there's the yeah. okay boomer shit, and we're not even boomers. We're all like Gen X in here in this room, and you might not even be Gen X. I'm millennial. Millennial. Still. Yeah. Millennial. But what they got to understand is like the world we inherited was so retrograde and we fucking moved yeah, it. Yeah,
0: people were like, "Woo, the 60s, woo, Vietnam, fuck." Yeah, we moved it. We yeah. moved
1: it forward. You know, when the
0: 80s get here, let's just all do cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah,
1: we moved it forward to a certain extent, you know, yeah. and now you know, there's a lot of interesting conversations to be had about generational stuff. And another thing about the book that I thought was valuable was just wanting younger people to understand like what we grew up with.
4: Well, yeah, these fucking
1: no, crazy it's... war veteran, whether it was Vietnam or Korea,
4: mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. you know, coming out of a totally different era. Talk about microaggressions.
4: Well, and... like we
1: got actual aggressions, well, like n- fucking beat down in school every week. You know, so there's ju- there's just this whole thing that like I want younger people to understand mm-hmm. that. Um, we yeah. didn't come out of a vacuum, you know. Right. There sure, was sure, a sure. you know, uh, context to Whoosh. it, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> You're in a vacuum, you get shot out.
1: There's another one, you in
0: yeah. a vacuum. <laughs> I'm I mean, shot yeah. out of a vacuum, it's like really, <laughs> That's right? Amazing. How do people fit in a vacuum, <laughs> right? How did you get into that vacuum? <laughs> well, I, I think about um growing up very much with, with a couple of, like, because there was this couple of scenes in here that were so close to home. It was so uncomfortable. Mm. It's this small town group of friends who really, really respect the guy that knows how to pull a party together in, like, a Sausage woods. fingers. Yeah, like, like <laughs> they know how to, like, hey, if you talk to that guy at that gas station, yes. <laughs> he's going to tell you where either the hotel room is or the farm totally, or the place where all the tailgates are going to be backed up with six packs of shitty beer on them. And you could pay $5 and you drink however you want. Somebody's parents were yep. out of town. There was those people that you respected because they knew how to party. But you had Try to walk it. up to the
1: corner store. We were talking about this last week, actually. Did you have that? All the social media stuff. You had to go do shady shit. Well, back in the day, you didn't check your Snapchat. You had to walk up to the fucking corner store and talk to Sausage Fingers. And find out, like, where was the party tonight? For us,
3: it was cruising town.
1: Up in Clare.
3: Yeah, I grew up in mid-Michigan in a yeah. really small town. Ooh. Nice. But it was the same.
1: But that's what's the magic of this, is it was the same exact the fucking same thing. It was experience. the experience. Yeah. same Yeah. experience. There was the dude you had to go talk to who knew where everyone was, and who knew what his deal was. Right, like, right. I would love to write a Somebody's sequel parents, to this about Mom, sausage fingers. My
0: mother will probably never listen to this <laughs> because she doesn't have any idea what I do, even though we talk all the time. Um, <laughs> I love her. She'll be like, what do you mean pod? What is a podcast? You know, like she wouldn't... <laughs> I'm not even worried about it, but... And she knows. But when, you know, when parents go to town, you party. Oh, yeah. And,
1: oh, God. And, and the, the
0: amount of time... <laughs> That it takes between so-and-so's parents out of town and an entire small town knowing is, like, one day. Even (laughs) in, like, the 80s. Right. Right. It's (laughs) like, are you going, are you going, are you going, are you going, like, football practice. Like, er, everybody talking everywhere. Like, and then suddenly you go to that person's house and it's fucking mayhem. Mayhem. Like, no one has any boundaries. No one has any, like it's per on enjoy period <laughs> somebody's <laughs> pissing in your parents yeah, fireplace
1: yeah. no i have a <laughs> fractured relationship with my father who i love dearly uh-huh. and colleen's been asking me about this and and i'm like i've been trying to like give her a little insight i'm like well, there was that one time you know in like 1985 when he went out of town for three days uh-huh. and we had a fucking rager at his apartment oh, Kegger, boy. put posters all over ann arbor and it was oh just a god. shit show. Oh, shit. Well, guess what? He was supposed to come home Monday. What guess what night he came home? Saturday? Sunday night. Sunday night. And I remember standing out on his balcony and being like that looks like my dad's house <laughs> oh, oh shit. There's <laughs> 100 a hundred people? people in oh our apartment Oh my god. And he got evicted the next day. So you know, <gasps> thirty years later. Yeah we were talking he's about still like bitter about it. Yeah. Well, well oh, you know, I get it. I don't know I if he's it. bitter about that specific thing, but the, the nuances of the fractured relationship. And now me, I'm a parent, too. You know, of so course. I'm like, yeah, that was kind
0: of shitty. Oh, no. And the thing <laughs> is, is you don't know. But I didn't think you anything don't of it. Know back The then. danger you're walking into. Of course, you don't know the danger you're walking into. You don't know. That's the thing that's great about this book is he's walking into danger that as a grown up reading it. You know it's coming. Oh, God. You're like, oh, my God. He's walking into a trap. It's going to be bad. (laughs) He's going to drink too much. He's going to throw up. He's going to get in a wreck. Oh, my God. You know, but like, (laughs) when you're young, you're like, we're fine, right? Yeah, totally. We're in the middle of a field <laughs> by okay. ourselves. No problem. She just got her learner's permit. <laughs> We're sitting on the tailgate with a bunch My of strange boys. My parents will boys. never fix
1: The one thing where, like, you know I mean? his parents' cousin, his dad's cousin, has, like, the cottage on the ocean. Oh, And yeah. they go have a rager there. Right. And Blum blumpkin yeah. fucking vomits all over the place and then they oh, clean yeah. it up but anyway two weeks later his dad shows up to his cousin's place of course they're gonna know like yes, there's vomit all course. over the walls and the floor and yeah. all the
0: things they did like us stealing alcohol from my dad and replacing it with water <laughs> done <laughs> done right like going oh, yeah. like the, the pass around somebody's parents right out of town done totally the person you know that's getting older that's kind of crashing everywhere and becoming an alcoholic. And you're kind of like, didn't he used to be cool? Dying. Right. Shouldn't he like, have a job I, <laughs> I know every single one yeah. of these people. Yeah. Every that's, single it's one. universal. It when when um, I have this memory. Oh, my God. This just came flying back to me. Chris, if you're listening to this. Oh, man. I wish you were on the show today. But um, because I knew Chris, our other host that's on here a lot. She, um, she's known me since the fourth grade. So she used to hang out at my house all the time parents out of town, we're having a party, and I think my oldest brother was out of town too, and people used to say that my brother looked like Elvis, and (laughs) if you saw him, you'd get it, (laughs) his big lips, he's attractive, whatever, (laughs) and so we had made like a crazy shrine like elvis posters and pictures my brother was really, he was really like athletically you know I mean, we put all of his little high school awards and things up on the wall right <laughs> it was <ridiculous. laughs> there's, like a little shrine to there's him. people it was a little shrine and uh, and there was people wrestling and people shooting off fireworks and people arm wrestling and people cooking <laughs> and my dad came home oh god and he was also drunk mm. right and then he was just like I don't know who any of these fucking people are. If you don't know me, if you don't know my kids, then get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? And people were just like, ah! And we live <laughs> in a small little neighborhood. We're not like near somewhere. So people are just running right. away. Right. Or piling into a truck bed. You know, <laughs> know what I mean? Like, go, go! Dashing into know? the woods with no shoes yes. on. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Oh my God. And so... Some of these where you're like, oh, shit, it's about to happen. Right. Oh, my God, they're sitting on that rock. And they're, oh, and they, they've they got a cooler in the in the dug and a hole in the ground and the train's going. <laughs> it's right. going to be terrible. And then what you realize is that that scene is happening in every small town. And somebody in that scene is just, it is actually just a phase. Right. Like in a couple of days they're going to go, that was fucked up. I never want to do that again.
1: But then I'm some other go back people have to cheerleading
0: practice. You yeah. know? And then other people are like We'll never be I able to get off it. Fifteen more bottles of vodka yeah. this week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that is the picture that is so vivid from this book. Well, is, I'm
1: glad to hear that.
0: It's so vivid. Well, something I wanna and, say is
1: Andrew Winslow mm-hmm. out there, you know, has been sober. For 32 years, yeah, has Andrew. not had a drink since he stopped. At the end of the book is where you know he stops yeah, drinking. You it's know, great. and it's great. So he found that path. Um, I yeah. went 28 years, mm-hmm. same thing. You know, found a different path mm-hmm. with because of my mental health issues. You know, yeah, yeah. it just wasn't uh, that black or white kind of you know all or nothing. Uh, yeah. Didn't work either way. But I want to give a shout out to Andy, you know, for Andy, being able to do that. Thank
0: you. Yeah. Thank you for this story. It's really good. Um, the other thing about you just never know how things are going to go. So here's this kid. Um, okay. Here's this kid who is super curious, super hardworking, right? He wants to be an oceanographer, he's got lots of energy. He's got a paper route. (laughs) Two paper routes. Two paper routes. (laughs) And he works constantly. And he helps his dad as an electrician. And he's a good swimmer who's on the swim team. And so you're looking at this kid like, yes, he has all these great qualities. And we all know that person who you're like, oh, my gosh, just please quit drinking. Right. Right. And he feels like
1: a piece of crap Mm -hmm. every minute of every day, Mm -hmm. you know, despite all his... Good qualities, all he can focus on is what he perceives as his you know bad qualities
0: well see i I didn't see that. Oh. I saw him as like he he knows he's a good boy, and he doesn't actually think drinking's a problem until the very end.
1: right he doesn't get it yeah he doesn't get he it doesn't until get he it gets and it. the
0: thing is is it's textbook mm-hmm. it's textbook. You know what it was? I ate that sweet thing. You know what it was. Was we were too cold last night. Right. You know what it was? We had a fight. We were fighting and I fell down. That's why I feel bad. Right. Oh, you know what it was? Was I was was so upset about school. Or that person was mean to me.
1: Well, the alcohol is what got him through, right? like, allowed him to continue living, literally, mm-hmm. you know, and then yeah. it came back to bite him in his ass as, like, this as, is the thing that's going to keep you from does. living. Yeah, that's, that's how seat. it works. It's a, it's a it Jedi works. mind trick, for sure. Yeah. Both the addiction and the recovery. They're yeah, both the like,
0: je- and the, je- what the, the thing that he does really, really well, or that you did, whoever put these words in here, is there's this constant refrain through the entire book of, like... um. It can't be that. Alcohol is just the thing that gets me in the right place. Mm-hmm. Right. I just need it because I'm a little bit nervous. I just need right. it because my leg is shaking. I remember all the justifications I made. Now I never considered
3: myself an alcoholic or thought I had a problem with alcohol. But mm-hmm. looking back, mm-hmm. holy shit. I drank a lot. <laughs> you know? Like 20s, 20s, yeah, 30s? all through around? the teens yeah. and 20s. Mm-hmm. I had my first baby when I was 30, so I really kind of didn't drink much after that uh-huh. Uh because you couldn't have a hangover with a baby. Sure.
0: <laughs> hell. hell. Oh, my God. It's like yeah. two hangovers. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> um, but, and I look back in... I had different traumas, different things, but just so similar in the self-medicating. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and the perception is just such a different thing, you know, right. depending on where you are in life. And
0: yeah. The other thing, I think, is his, his environment. Oh, this is another loss of innocence moment where um, he goes to the beach as a little boy. He goes <laughs> to the Irish Riviera, mm-hmm. and he's hanging out with the clam lady. Yes, I loved <laughs> Love and those purses, and and uh, and he's just being such a happy little adventurous boy, and you can just picture him totally—that kid who doesn't even think about sunscreen or eating or hydrating or any. You know, he's just like in Wonderland. Yep. And then the year that he gets roughed up by the guys under the bridge. Yep. And that's when he becomes really yep. aggressive and starts the slug train.
1: Yep. And we've all, you know, we all experience that. Whether it's slut shaming, whether it's like. You know, your fag, whether you it's whatever and you but
0: turn it out. And it's typically
1: else. around that same age, twelve yeah. years old, you know, when we're mm-hmm. all trying to like become adults and it's just such a toxic culture in so many different facets. Mm-hmm. Um and it was there's so much more awareness of it now. Um and, and thirty years ago I there was zero awareness of it. It was just like suck well, it up, you know.
0: Yeah, and walk it off. And totally. don't cry. Don't oh my cry. gosh. For God's sake, cry. don't cry. <laughs> yeah. Don't cry. Oh my gosh. So think about the influences on this kid. Um well you know him. It's so interesting that he's just there and we know him. Because uh, I have had, you know, lots of authors on here, but it's amazing that this is his story. And mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if everything's his story, but um if you if if your influence is, you know, adults drink and you're kind of a pussy if you don't drink Mm -hmm. and why did you stop drinking and i grew up in a culture where it was like why aren't you drinking right so did i there wasn't a good answer it was like i don't know i'm full i'm sleepy i'm like but at the time i was like i don't know i guess i'll keep drinking (laughs) you know it was just (laughs) pressure it was just like yeah okay i don't know how this is supposed to go You don't understand that you're walking into chemical dependency. Right, and it could
1: be genetic. It could be all kinds of things, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you just don't know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Well, that's why, uh, uh, you know, one of the taglines for this book in the promotions we've done is once you start, you can't stop. And we meant that both in terms of reading it and in terms of, like, just shit in life, whether it's sex, gambling, alcohol, drugs, you know, whatever, shopping. Yeah. There's just certain people have certain dispositions and once you start you can't stop until something intervenes.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when he gets beat up, um well when he when he's at the beach and he gets he's with his brother, they're walking across the bridge, they get roughed up. Um, what are you doing on our bridge? My brother Led said. I don't see your name on it. This upset a couple of them, and out of nowhere, they started swinging. One guy ran at me, grabbed me, and threw me down. There was a thud, and my head spun. I ran back to the house and led follow. We were both clearly shaken, and although I didn't realize it at the time, that incident marked the permanent takeover of a bitterness and defensiveness in me that would last a lifetime. I didn't make the connection that those guys did it to us precisely what me and my crew did to kids on our school playground with the slug train. Mm-hmm. So the slug train is him and his friends get together and form a little train with their hands on each other's shoulders and find the weak <laughs> new kid in the schoolyard. The wounded gazelle baby. Slugga, 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 slugga and just wail on him. Yeah. Just to teach him teach him about being at their school. and uh, And he changes right there. Like...
1: Once he got what he was given. There's aggression in the world, and
0: I'm giving it back out. But there's no, there's no, it's interesting to see just unchecked. There's no mom going, how do you feel about that today? <laughs> right. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> or did would you, you like an ice pack? Why don't you yeah. lay down, honey? Did you? So did those boys make you feel bad? Are you scared?
1: And there was no mom doing that. There were no teachers doing that. There were no, no teachers' aides or counselors. No. It was literally, the world was brutal. The world was, <laughs> uh, yeah, suck it up. Uh,
4: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And just the same as those, the principal and the teachers would have been, reprimanding Andy and his friends in the slug train, Mm -hmm. I guarantee you, the kid that was crying on the playground, those same teachers were saying to that kid, like, what's wrong with you? Get up. Get going.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Suck
1: it up. Walk it off. There was no mercy in any direction.
3: The one friend who is the um, moderator of Who's Crying. Cashews. Oh, Cashews. Okay, that is Cashews. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's always, like, announcing, and they're... He's That's, running up to people, a and the even cry cop, he the cry cop. He's a cry cop. That's it. He,
0: did any of you guys grow up with that person who wouldn't accept weakness? Oh yeah. To, who my who dad? Went, your dad? Uh, well, my that, dad uh, kind yeah. of too. <laughs> yeah. He wanted no complaining or bullshit ever, you and know? no, and like you said, no crying. And
1: they did that because mm. they wanted to protect us, but they had no sure, idea sure, sure. what that was doing to us. You know, sure, like sure. you can never show you weakness. Can't you can't be afraid. Adults
0: drink. Right um you're unsupervised right <laughs> right good luck yeah right. and and the thing is is it, it's it makes me pull for every kid who's ever lived this life me too doesn't it totally Just, oh my gosh because you're watching him go like well god i hope this turns <laughs> and out you know no okay. matter what you say
1: to them they're not going to get it like you know we know from our own experience oh, sure. that they just have to live through it and it sucks watching that like watching the
0: oh yeah you know <laughs> slow the pain. train wreck slow train wreck yeah um so one of the things i want to i think i want to take a little 10 minute break mm-hmm. sure and we'll play those couple songs in the middle there whichever ones you picked out and we come back i want to talk about the language the writing the Irish Catholic Boston nice. guy language because I loved every time it came out <laughs> and I would read it out loud <laughs> and I loved it um, and plus it's fun I love reading books with um, with the vernacular written out like that so they nice. good so you're like I can picture this character the characters are very well painted so I want to talk about that as well and um, yeah so okay. we'll come back this is Reads and Weeds I'm Shelley and then maybe. We'll talk a little bit about construction, Jack, as cool. well. That's another book that yeah. I didn't know was involved, <laughs> which you can read on the break. That's true. That's true. Okay. All right. So let's play a song. Are you ready? Okay. It'll come in. Everybody, be ready. Is it there? It's playing. Oh, it is.
4: Okay, okay. <laughs> Good night.
5: And the beer I had for breakfast wasn't bad, so I had one more for dessert. Then I fumbled in my closet, threw my clothes and found my cleanest, dirty shirt. Then I washed my face and combed my hair and stumbled down the stairs to meet the day. I smoked my mind the night before With cigarettes and songs I'd been picking But I lit my first and watched a small kid Playing with a can that he was kicking Then I walked across the street and caught the Sunday smell of someone yeah. frying chicken And Lord, it took me back to something That I lost somewhere, somehow along the way On a Sunday morning side. Everybody will feel alone. Love. the they were guys ready?
0: Yeah, that was Johnny Cash, Sunday Morning Come Down, and then before that was, what was the one before that, Jeff? That was Joan Jett, right?
1: That was Joan
4: Jett. I don't give a damn reputation. about my bad reputation. Right,
0: right, right, so... Yeah, good sound. We we always, so if you're listening and you haven't clued into this yet, because we usually do it when we release an episode, is I make, I'm trying to make a Spotify playlist for every episode. Um, It was just fun for me, (laughs) and uh, it's really fun to think of the mood of a book and put a soundtrack to it. I don't know if anybody else does that, but... I love Um, doing it. It was so fun. Yeah, Jeff did it for this book, and when we put it out, it's it's great. Um, Yeah, so love that. So we're back. Before we get going, I wanted to talk about one more cannabis news thing real quick, which is this week the MRA released a bulletin that announced that caregiver product in the Michigan market would slowly be phased out, um, which had mixed reactions around the state and some people were surprised, some people knew it was coming, some people were mad, some people trying to grow their business like so that is out there now and people are just adjusting to that life. And what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, first off, I did apply for that work group like you told me to (laughs) So So did I.
3: (laughs) I did that today.
2: But yeah, we talked about
3: activism.
2: Talked about it kind of on the (laughs) Jazz Cabbage Cafe yesterday. There's a lot of, like, mixed reactions. There's a lot of upset caregivers or people who are almost to that point where they can afford their license. Mm. And, um, you know, stuff's being taken out of the market. I thought it was uh, June 1st, but uh, was it October 1st?
0: I think it's like a slow... There's a couple phases. phases. There's There's phases. I think three phases. So if you're not in Michigan, here's what happened was... Some time ago, because of the supply shortage, the caregiver product was allowed into the market as like an emergency temporary measure. Correct. However, there are some people in Michigan who believe that, why not just leave it in? Because there's, all, you know, why can't everybody just play at this level? You're, they're not going to compete with your 10,000 plant grow. They have 50 plants or whatever they have. They have 12 plants or whatever they have. Um, There are other people who think, like, no, we all went through the process to get licensed, to be in the regulated market. You have to go through that same process, too, if you want to be in the regulated market. However, what makes it a bigger controversy is there's already a supply shortage in our state because of the way the licenses were rolled out and the testing centers being rolled out, tests being backed up, things like that. And so it's hard to get certain strains. It's hard to, you know, a lot of dispensaries run out of flour kind of,
2: Often.
0: Often. So Colin works at a dispensary, and um, sometimes you just run out of flour. And or sativas. Or we talk sativas, especially. for sure. <laughs> and um, and if you're listening, you don't know why that would be, is indicas are cheaper to grow, and they kind of produce more indicas. M- I mean, sativas might be harder to grow. Indicas might be easier to grow. They might be less expensive to grow, so there's more of them growing. There's a high demand for sativa, And then what Rick was talking about last night was even just saying indica or sativa for a plant as complicated as cannabis is not a good enough description of things. And he wants to get better at the individual description. We talked about comparing it to like if you go to a restaurant and you um, you get shrimp scampi, right? And you go to another restaurant, you get shrimp scampi. They're not going to be identical, right? <laughs> Even though they have the same basic ingredients, ingredients right? So cooked the same, they're cooked the same. It's like, well, where'd you get the shrimp, and who was the chef, and what was this ingredient? You know, so where it's, was that garlic yeah. from that went yeah, on? You exactly. Know, yeah, exactly. So if you get Blue Dream, it might not be identical to the Blue Dream because it's a plant, it's a living thing with all these chemical compounds, and so. What we're looking forward to is when we can know this particular profile, because like a lot of people, I'm sure you guys have strains where you're like, this helps me to concentrate, or this makes my knee not hurt, (laughs) or this... Helps me to fall but asleep, a lot of and it's you psychological.
1: I'll say this about my brother-in-law, who I know will never listen to this. Okay, great. He's hi, all, it, and I work on <laughs> hi.
0: Welcome, hi Gary. if you're listening. then I we Welcome you to tell Jeff that on you a told cannabis him so. farm,
1: uh-huh. you know, and I help grow stuff and you know, cultivate stuff and whatever. And yeah. he's always looking for stuff that will help him with his appetite. Yeah. And I've researched it and research and looking and mm-hmm. like you know, looking at the charts and the this and that. And finally. You know, his wife, my sister, told me, like, well, I heard that any strain named after food helps you... Right, so now, so now all I gotta do is give him White Tahoe cookie right. or any cookie, chronic, or, or cheese. and yeah. he's fucking happy.
3: Or literally just call whatever it is by that name. Yeah, so and say, he like, loves. And cookies. he comes
1: back four days later. This is later, the he's lasagna like, strain. Yeah, this shit's the bomb. Yeah. And it's like a lot of it's psychological. Like, yeah. like, don't overthink it, people. Back right. in the day, we had three things: Maui, Wowie. I wasn't and... trying
0: to do something back then. That's the difference. <laughs> it's, so, right, right. Right. difference back then I was like, okay, weed, I'll smoke it. Let's party, yeah, right? Totally. However, <laughs> now I have grown. <laughs> and now I don't want to just feel however. I want to feel focused. Way. I want yes. to feel relaxed. I don't want to feel anxious. I don't want to feel zoned out. You know, like there's a feeling that I'm going for as with anything. Right. You know what I mean? I don't want to drink coffee and for it to feel like a sedative. Right. That's... Right. Not what I'm trying to do. I don't want to drink water and feel dehydrated. So it's understanding that this plant has all these properties and we can't just pretend flippantly to know every single thing about it. And unless it's, you know, legalized and decriminalized, the studies that could unlock all these magical things aren't going to happen. Right. So since Super Tuesday was yesterday and, you know, the results have been rolling in throughout the day. I would like anybody in states that were won by Joe Biden to know that he's <laughs> kind of anti-cannabis.
2: He's kind of lame around here. I know. <laughs> <He's>, well, <laughs> well,
0: it's just, it's whatever you think of him. I mean, I he's, retro-grade. I think he's a great he's come guy. come out and
2: said, it's a gateway drug. Right, you know, he and is
0: anti-cannabis, so...
2: And Howard Woolbridge was like, what did he call him yesterday?
0: A muffin head. A muffin head. Instead like of calling it. people <laughs> assholes, this guy was like, well, you know this guy. He's a muffin head. Is we he a, like, a stone-faced
1: lying pony soldier? Is that <laughs> Something like that? That's something was, like that, too. <laughs> <laughs> we are. At least. That's amazing.
0: I don't know what any of that
1: means. That was a Bidenism.
0: But it's a, a Bidenism. Oh, my God. Well, the thing is, is great guy. He seems like a super good guy. But the point is, is. If you're against, like, so there's this healing plant that has been criminalized kind of in a really weird act that happened in 1937 that nobody really saw coming and probably wasn't for the right reasons that has inhibited all kinds of healing and put a lot of people in jail. And if you don't like the idea of healing prohibited and lots of people in jail for not hurting anyone... Then you should care about that issue a little bit. Mm-hmm. So,
1: and Joe should. And he should you talk you should to Joe his son should. Hunter. He should talk to his son and Hunter, who's been arrested for it. drugs. You know, and yeah.
3: Well, and you should also consider who's in his ear, which is you know the pharmaceutical companies,
0: yeah. the you know big business, big corporations. Yeah. Um, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I just know that people go I'm just go, saying oh, question it. In, I don't know it either. Mind, I think a lot of people are like in their mind he's connected to Obama. Obama gives them a kind of good feeling memory. Yeah. And they connect it to him. But
1: pre-Obama Joe was a uh, very mainstream democrat you know supported things that led to mass incarceration and right. you know so i
4: mean yeah we
1: have yeah. reason to be a little
0: and, worried. and and the truth is is it's because okay so if you read a book like this and you go drugs and alcohol are bad blanket blanket statement drugs and alcohol are bad see here it is right and you don't separate out the fact that like most of our drug problem in this country right now has been prescribed right? And well, and the thing
1: I want to get across with this book is I do not want the message to be drugs and alcohol are bad. What I want to get across is dr- with a lack of mental health awareness and a oh, lack yeah. of access to actual mental health care, drugs and alcohol can be the only thing that enable a person to live for 10 or 20 years mm-hmm. until they get that mental yeah. health care. Yeah. And even though it's a dysfunctional life, like if Andy hadn't been able to hullaboom vodka, he would have fucking slit his wrists right, no shit or beaten the s- shit out of somebody and so would I right so th- so it's like let's get more healthcare access right, and right. mental health Morris. awareness so people don't have to just like hit the vodka bottle to just get through the day because that's right. the only thing they have in absence of just wanting to die yeah you know?
0: and 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 the thing with this but so my point about the Lumping everything together is if this isn't part of your life, if you have the pleasure of not knowing an opioid addict or mm. an alcoholic or anybody that's a cannabis advocate or anybody that's been through rehab or anybody that's worked in, um, in, you know, who's been a cop. or I- I Social work. Social work. Any of that. If you haven't had that experience... If you have, you know it's all different, and it has to do with mental health, and it has to do with all kinds of things, but if you haven't, you you can tend to put it in one big pot of that's all the same thing, that people escaping, that's this and that, and it's not. Right. <laughs> it's not. Some things ruin lives and take everything away from someone, and some things are helpful, right. and you must educate yourself and know the difference, and... I grew up with this, this alcoholic kind of knowing a lot of people who drank too much and even repeating that pattern throughout my life because I was used to it. I'd meet an alcoholic and go, oh, I understand you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know how to take care of you. I know what you need. I know you're going to be crazy one day and then really normal the next day. I get it, you know. And so that pattern repeated in my life for quite a while, you know. It's hard to get out of because it's what you become comfortable with, you know. Um, so what's interesting about this is he's, he's creating this pattern of addiction, but also it's a reminder to me that some people have that chemical switch that gets flipped and cause I think about a kid, he's, you know, a sophomore in high school, he's on the swim team and he's really, really good. Mm-hmm. He's an athlete who holds a job. And goes to church
4: mm-hmm. and has all
0: these friends that he hangs out with, but he's also drinking a couple of beers before school. He's taking shots during school or he's like and then he's swimming and, and he's and it's working. Right? right. It's, it's
1: enabling him to do it's enabling all those him things, to do that things that were expected of him. One thing that's interesting to me is that thinking back on, you know, my upbringing and what it sounds like, maybe yours, um it was never fucking enough as a kid, mm-hmm. like, and it wasn't said in that way, but it was, you're going to have two paper outs, You're going to go to church. You're going to help with chores mm-hmm. on Sunday. You're going to, you're not blah, doing blah. enough. It was never fucking enough. Never and now enough. I see younger people and it's the opposite. It's like, you can't do as, you know, there's not as, you can't do as little as possible, you know, like it's, right, it's just right. it's the opposite. But the thing yeah. is, is like, we're the parents of that generation. Like, We were raised by those people, and now we've completely flip-flopped, which is probably how our parents were completely flip-flopped. But it just seems like such a dichotomy, you know, as far as, you know, the expectations now. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's okay, honey, you know, you don't have to do that, you don't have to do that. I would have never heard that out of my parents. It's like, do ten things more. (coughs)
0: right. Right. So, okay, so one of the fun things, I don't know if you can tell by our discussion, but this book is pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, it's because he's this kid with funny habits and funny friends, and he's growing up, and he's being really honest about how they act, and it's pretty funny. And then the way he writes the voices and everything is funny. So, anyway, we were talking about how we loved the way the voices were written, and on page 71, it's... um, after I finished my paper out, schoolwork and chores, we all headed out to Revere. I had looked learned about a guy named Revere in school. He had been some people and he had seen some people in funny looking clothes and warned his friends shortly after they named a town after him and put up a Pakkelelli's roast <laughs> beef stand in his <laughs> honor. Getting there required that we traverse tunnels, bridges, and tolls along any trip. My father would explain each landmark or structure as we passed around, under, or through it. This tunnel was named after a guy that, (laughs) or this bridge was named after some crooked politician by, and some bastard throws himself off this here one a couple (laughs) times a year. (laughs) And, And this is how his dad and the people in his life talked. Oh, at the bottom. So... His dad is placing the order. Can I do this one? Yes, please do see, it. See, because I,
1: I knew his father and I know do Andy. It. And so do when it. I read this, anyone else who read his manuscript would have been like, what the fuck is this? But yes, I read yes. it, and I could hear it. Please now, ladies it. and gentlemen, we are approaching the Tobin Bridge. <laughs> Look to your right and you'll see where a month ago, another stupid bastard bought it. He lost his job and his old lady and undercooked the meatloaf. Three nights in a row, he couldn't take the pressure, and he snapped over it all. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're approaching the Revere Beach Parkway. we had just last week, and it would go on and on.
3: Wait, read the order. <laughs> yeah, read the very bottom. Read the bottom. My father
1: would always tell stories out loud, but never directed to anyone in particular. That's why I thought he would make an excellent tour guide. <laughs> if only he had the safari hat and the tan shorts. We reached Revere Beach, and I went with my father while he placed an order i to take three of them, four of those, and a large one of that. When the food arrived, he would always say, Thanks. Take care. Take care.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Take care. And that care. was exactly
1: how he sounded, and that's exactly how all those people sounded. And it's like if you weren't from there, you wouldn't even know what they were saying. Yeah. It's like not even English.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you know what's funny? So, speaking of how the story is the same but different, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> the talking out loud stories to like no one in particular <laughs> with an alcoholic father. <laughs> so my dad grew up near Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So we would be like, "Let's go play putt putt," or "Let's go to the roller coaster," <laughs> or whatever. But my dad would be like, "In 1956, <laughs> none of this stuff was even here. <laughs> it's all farms. Everybody, uh, it, it was fell up here." Y- you know what I mean? And it would just be like... St- <laughs> it's the same thing, different st- just, accent. Just different accent. <laughs> and I remember one time uh, in college, a friend of mine who was from another country, didn't have anywhere to go for Christmas, she came to my house, and she wakes up to my dad talking to his friend on the phone. And <laughs> was just like... <laughs>
1: the hell's happening
0: What's here? What's he saying? <laughs> <laughs> because it was just kind of like, You know, she had no idea what he was saying. And I woke up, having been away from him for a couple of months, was like, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> I can't understand it. But why why was it going little... down here? You, you know, it was like,
1: It's those little worlds we live in that, like, when you're in it, you totally get it, and you step out of it for a couple months, and then you know you come back, and if anyone else steps into it, they'd be like, "What the fuck is happening?" Oh yeah, oh yeah.
0: Oh, another big aha was like weird family traditions, like that you just accept blindly as you're growing up. So they have the birthday party, and everybody gets drunk, and Grandpa throws up, and, (laughs) and 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 whatever present you get, there's someone who hands it to you for your birthday and goes. Oh, you got one of these? And I explained <laughs> it to everybody. This costs twelve dollars. And what do you know, and they like, and I'm like, how weird, right? How weird is that? But that's that's it. That's what you do. And when I sold books door to door for nine years, I remember going from like a small town in South Carolina to like walking in and out of thousands of people's houses and having my mind blown. Mm. Like, wait a minute, is this how you guys <laughs> live? Right. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, just <laughs> Uh, okay you know and it was either fabulous like kids come in here we want your opinion on something I'm like wait a minute I've going to call bullshit right now Right, you want your children's opinion <laughs> you know but like it was legit like yeah come on in here or there was just that person who was like uh, so why do you think, you know, education is important for your kids? It's like this kid's stupid; he ain't <laughs> never gonna graduate.
4: These
1: books will be a total waste of time.
0: You know what we want? We want him for him to sit him. So he reach the fucking dinner table. If he ever steps up, you know, <laughs> you're just like, oh, okay, this is how this family lives, and they're just doing it. That's their world, and you know. So we anyway. all get
1: programmed with what we're brought up with and it seems normal for those years until you hit adolescence and then that shit dictates your emotional life the rest of your life and the rest of your life is trying to come to some balance with that and the rest of the world you know and that's that's what I got and you know what the story Andy, Andy was telling here was
0: Oh, yeah, another thing really well done. You know how you understand how you uh, you encounter someone who's different, like you're a little kid, and you know how you live, and then you, the first time you go to a house that's much bigger than yours or much more violent than yours or much less violent than yours, and you realize, like, oh, by contrast, I now understand myself. <laughs> so <laughs> what's very interesting is him getting to understand how his alcoholism is bumping up against the world, mm-hmm. right? He wants to go with the girl. But he's too nervous, and his family—the family—is going to be too nice, and he can't handle it. Like he cannot handle the he's idea out of his
1: wheelhouse. He has he no emotional meet capability. Meet someone's
0: parent. He's—he can't handle. It. He's just going to take a few belts. And it's never once dawning on him, like, maybe I shouldn't be drunk meeting my girlfriend's parents. Like, ever. Right. <laughs> Not once. It's just getting him right.
1: The scene where he does go to prime with the rich girl, mm-hmm. who he figured, what oh the fuck, my God. I don't what care. And she's got the autistic right. brother. And he's oh perfectly at home with the autistic brother. Oh, yeah. You know they're what I pals. Mean? Of course. But it's a shit
0: show. It's a shit <laughs> show. It's a shit show. And I remember, like, there are those people... That you you go to the party with, and you just know they're going to go off the rails. Right. They're just going to, <laughs> you know, they're ne- they're going to be like a freight train. You're like, okay, this guy's here. Yeah. Okay, he's going to. end. the thing. Well, I've
1: t- been telling Colleen not to interrupt some mm-hmm. stories about mm-hmm. Winslow that are that off,
0: aren't in the book,
1: off the book, and <laughs> oh. it was exactly that. Trust me, you know, it was a freight train.
3: Oh sure, yeah.
0: and I'm sure we all do. We all know at least oh, two yeah. freight trains, right? Oh yeah, right? yeah. I've yep.
1: been a freight train once or
0: twice, probably. I've, I'm sure I've been a freight train. I'm sure I've been a freight train. And the thing is, is there's this fearlessness that comes with ignorance, obviously. So you're not going like, like now if somebody's like, "Do you want to go into the woods and do some cocaine?" <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like. Nah, nah <laughs> you know, probably not. You
2: could do it by yourself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys have fun. But y- back you know. in the day, yeah. well, back I've I've never actually done cocaine. You've never gone so in the woods and
1: done cocaine with a stranger. I Come haven't.
0: On. I haven't. But right. I've been near people. Okay, <laughs> you've heard of you it. Mean, go. But I remember that time. I remember that party where I'm with some trusted friends. And then all of a sudden, the giant mirror comes out. Guess what? Late 80s. Right. And you're surprised because it's like the captain of the football team of this college and this hot girl that you know (laughs) that you thought was everybody's best friend. And all of a sudden, you're just like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Is this happening everywhere? And do you guys like feeling like this? Because you're assholes. Like, it's crazy. And so, but knowing how... I never considered that that was probably going on all over my high school, but I'm pretty sure it was.
1: Everyone was. If you went to
0: high school with me and you're listening, can you please email me the names of people? (laughs) (laughs)
1: You know what's funny? Who
4: did that
0: in 1989?
1: I (laughs) I out of Ann Arbor (laughs) as soon as I graduated from college. I grew up here. I went to U of M. Boom, out of town. I wanted nothing to do with Ann Arbor. And I had this image of what my high school years were like. Yeah. I was this complete fuck up. And I was. Yeah. I was this complete fucking dirtbag. Just a shit show. And then, you know, decades later, through the magic of Facebook, you reconnect with these people. And I've had people that I kind of know, kind of remember. They're like, you were the popular kid.
0: I'm Isn't like, that funny? What?
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? I was the fucking dirtbag throwing up by the dumpster, you know. But in their mind, sure. I guess because I was throwing up by the dumpster, you don't dumpster, know. It's, you're so subconscious so cool at kid. that
0: age. You're not thinking about anybody. You're just all wrapped up in your own yeah. weirdness. So my sure. own
1: image of myself, yeah. still to this day in, in those years, is a complete mess. Like messed up, hurting, you know. But other people. They felt that same way, and they looked yeah. at me and felt like, oh, there's a kid who has his shit together. And I'm like, there's... It's hilarious, no isn't it? makes no sense, you know? Yeah. yeah.
0: So um, because of time and me respecting the show after me, I'm going to wrap up with a few things here. So if you're listening to this, order this book, The Electrician, and especially if you grew up 70s, 80s, you're, you want to read it. If there's an alcoholic or addict in your life, you want to read it. If you like funny stories that really capture an era... Um, or, a, or a community. He paints the picture of, like, Boston and the suburbs and the shore and being a lifeguard and being a high school student and being a kid and having a snow day. And all the whole time he's kind of slowly becoming an alcoholic. And he also captures the, f- the kind of the, your, his rock bottom and recovery really well. I think, because he shows himself about to slip up right there at the end. He shows himself going through rehab and kind of like how shocking that is and what he lost and starting to go through his steps. And it's really, I thought it was totally heartwarming and raw and honest and sweet and unselfconscious and paints such a picture. I felt like I knew the characters. I could see all these dudes hanging out together. Loved it. Anything you want to wrap up with, Jeff or well, Colleen?
1: thank you. I love to hear that because <laughs> the spirit of this book, like I said, from Andy's perspective, is encouraging people to work and yes, not yes. think you have to go to college to exactly. get into the trades, but also to, you know, keep persevering. And mm-hmm. my... Spirit of the book is just never give up on yourself and um, hang in there, you know. And we all have trauma; everyone has some kind of trauma that they're trying to yeah. get out of, and you know, just hang in there, you know. So you can go to readtheelectrician.com dot com, yeah. go to Amazon, yeah. and just type in the Electrician Andrew Winslow or Jeff Muir um, and find it. And yeah. yeah, we think there's a good message in it. And, oh, uh, it is,
0: and it's just it's it's just a great story. It's great rooting for this guy and knowing that. Things turn out okay. And they do. And, you just got to hang in there. And just even hold on. Just, and even just t- the telling of the story is a hopeful story. He's never not hopeful. Right. Ever.
3: Yeah, that's true.
0: He's always thinking things are going to get better. Right. I'm going to turn this around. And in just a real honest way. Like it takes a really long time for... Yeah, things you know? are burning
1: down all around him, and he's like, "Yeah, like,
0: yeah, yeah, no, 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 I'll find a place to stay. I'm gonna go to California, you know.
1: I'll go sleep by that statue. I'm and say it's okay.
0: fine. I like it next to the statue. You know right. what? I like the view from the statue. I'm well, there's go something there. to be said yeah. for that, you know, because times are tough
1: all over the place, and no matter how tough things are for you, whoever you are out there, yeah, just fucking hang in there one more night, yeah, and you know things yeah. can get
0: better and you know what's wonderful okay maybe this will be the last thing but <laughs> uh, th- it this book is great because it doesn't beat you over the head with like people trying to fix him right at first i was like why isn't anybody trying to fix him <laughs> and then i was like oh okay because that's not how life works some people you're like i'm gonna let them mind their own business and they have healthy boundaries which i didn't know about for a <laughs> long time right, i tried yeah. to fix every addict that i could find um and guess guess how successful I was, everybody? Unsuccessful. <laughs> <laughs> Zero percent. Pretty much successful in like wearing myself out and punishing myself work. for no reason. But there's a few people, these girls that he goes on dates with and gets wasted in there like, you should get help or let me put a wet cloth on your face or hit bosses and just people that are there. That are doing, but they were willing nudging, to say. They were willing nudging, to say, "Yeah, you got to go on with your life. We're not going to do this yes, anymore." Yes, yes, and so that's sweet and and well told in here too. So, yeah, even getting in and understanding a twelve step program is laid out really well. I loved that and the way he describes kind of getting used to that and working the steps and calling the sponsor and that all comes right at the very end. But man. Spoiler alert. (laughs) He's great. He's being an electrician all over the world now, and he he lives a good life, and he's uh, still friends with Jeff, and he's still being very productive, and he's got a book and an action figure. How many of you can say that you have two books, a children's book series and a 500-something page novel and an action figure, four of them? Um, So this is Reads and Weeds. We're wrapping up. And my name is Shelly. And, again, if you're listening, wherever you are in the state, Tell me where you are, like, follow, share, uh, connect with me on Facebook and Instagram, and tell me what you want to read and read along, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Shelley. Thanks, Colleen. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Colin. Thank you. Happy what Day are we going out with, Day, everybody? What are we going out with, Jeff?
1: Hello, boom. Uh, I don't know. Hullaboom. Oh, we're going out with the Dandy Warhols. A band Dandy from Portland, Warhols, Portland, Oregon, where I met Andy. Sweet.
0: Okay. Cool. Coming in now, Dandy Warhols. Bye. <laughs>